0: You may be seated. What a good time of worship. Awesome. I love it. Always look forward to Sundays. Always look forward to church. I hope you do too. Now, we do have, I know Wayne gave a ton of announcements, and I hope that you try and keep an eye on your bulletin. Um, Always keep an eye on stuff going on at the Welcome Center. There's lots going on. Please get involved in some of that stuff. Lots going on this time of year. Please get involved and and see the cause outside of just yourself. There's lots of opportunities to do that here. I'm going to go ahead and jump right into the word this morning. Uh, Everybody with me this morning? Good morning. morning. All right. Good morning. Sounds like you're with me. Well, we got, I got to do this. Maybe I shouldn't, but uh, it's a blessing to have Shirley Vion with us this morning. We've been praying for her for a long time. Amen. Shirley, it's a blessing for me to see you. It's a blessing to have Roger and Debbie Carson over there. Such a blessing to see you guys as well. They've been on our prayer list a lot and been through a lot and it blesses me to see them. It's awesome to have you guys with us this morning. Uh, I'll be preaching out of First John again this morning. Uh, if you remember last week we were in First John chapter 2. Um, I kind of warned you that I had been studying First John and the Lord just kept tapping me on the shoulder and saying, son, I want you to write some of these things down and look a little further into them. Um, also, this this may kind of turn into a two-part series. I don't know. I haven't, haven't had a chance to pray that far ahead yet. If God allows, this may kind of turn into something next week as well, but have a very good scripture. Um, and if you know me at all, I really like to look at the scripture and see what it's trying to say to us. So, I always encourage you, don't be afraid to to put the Bible under the microscope and, and dissect it and really understand it. And that's kind of what we're going to do this morning. 1 John chapter 5, verse 18 is our text. And if you have your Bible, you can open there and kind of leave it there. And we'll do our best to get it up on the screens. But that scripture says this. It says that we know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. But he that is begotten of God keeps himself, and that wicked one touches him not. Let me read that to you again. We know that whosoever is born of God sins not, but he that is begotten of God keeps himself, and that wicked one touches him not. Now this is a good scripture. It has whole lots of meaning to it. But we're going to look closely at this this morning to see what is being communicated to us. That's the reason why God gave us the scripture, to communicate things to us. Now, this first part, it says, we know that whosoever is born of God. I like to look at that little phrase there, born of God. It is talking about a genuinely regenerated, born again Christian. Someone that has been converted when you are born of God, you have been saved. When you are born of God, it means you have been brought into the family of God. You are now one of His. Whenever you see that phrase, born of God, that's what it means. Simply means that you have become one of His own sons, one of His own daughters through the faith that is in Jesus Christ and His finished work on the cross. You've become one of His. You are now born of God. You have been brought into the family. Is what that little phrase means when the Bible says you're born of God. But that part there is is not exactly the part that I believe the Lord would have us to concentrate on today. Let's go back to our opening text. It says, we know that whosoever is born of God, whosoever is brought into the family of God, sinneth not. Okay, now, now that is, is stating that the truly regenerated individual is, it says sinneth not. That means they are not entangled in habitual sin. They do not live a lifestyle of sin. They do not continually practice sin. When the Bible says it, they, they, they sinneth not. If God points out a particular sin in your life, it is your Christian duty to forsake it altogether. That, that's what it means when it says that, that he that is born again sinneth not. Now, brothers and sisters, understand this because we can get tricked up on this sometimes when it says that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. We, you will, I will still wrestle with my flesh because that fleshly nature is not completely eradicated until we are glorified and we're up in heaven with him. Until then, we will still battle. We will still wrestle. You may still slip up. But it says that he whoever is born of God sinneth not. You cannot just give yourself over to a lifestyle of sin. That means when God comes along and taps you on the shoulder and says, that's enough of that, I don't want you doing that, you must obey. That's what it means when it says, whosoever is born of God sinneth not. Every last one of us in this room is tempted with some type of sinful behavior, but it must be resisted through the grace of God. Now, again, I'll say we might slip up, but Romans tells us we can no longer live therein. You might slip up, you might make a mistake, but you can't live in it, you can't dwell in it, you can't stay in it. God says, nope, you come up out of that. Now, on Sunday evening, in our our Romans study that we've been going through, we haven't made it this far into Romans 13 yet. But Romans 13 tells us to make no provisions for the flesh. Don't give it an inch. Don't feed it at all, not at all, or it will take you down the wrong path. Make no provisions for it. First John teaches us the same thing. Let's go just a few chapters back in 1 John to chapter 2. We were actually in 1 John 2 last week, but I'm going to start in verse 1. I, I believe these scriptures help to clarify. It says, my little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Now, people see this, and I think they kind of say, See, if we sin, no biggie. Jesus has us covered. Now, first of all, if you ever say no biggie about your sin, you got bad theology. Sin is a big deal. There, There is no no big deal sins. Sin is just sin to God. So don't say, no biggie, Jesus, God's us covered. This scripture, it says, my little children, these things I write unto you, that ye sin not. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. This scripture is talking about a particular sin. It's talking about one of those slip-ups. You screwed up. It is not talking about a habitual lifestyle of sin. It is not talking about living in sin or practicing it or, or ignoring God's warnings. This scripture is saying if if you make a mistake, don't worry. You have Jesus Christ. He is an advocate to the Father. What this is saying is if you slip up, you are not immediately unsaved. It it does not not mean that. If if you have have someone, what it's saying is you have someone that will come to your defense. Jesus will come and defend you. you. You slip up, you make a mistake, Jesus will go to the Father and he'll say, I know he screwed up. I know he looks like a fool right now, but he's one of ours. You have an advocate. It means Jesus is in your corner. He will help defend your case to God the Father when you slip up. You've got Jesus. You do. But if you slip into sin and, and Jesus comes to bring you up out of that sin and you swat his hand away, we got a problem. That, that's a red flag. That is a red flag. When, when you're tempted and you fail and the Spirit of God comes to straighten you out and you resist, we got trouble. We got, we got a problem. That, that is a red flag. You can't swat his hand away. When he comes and says, no, my child, I don't want you in that territory. I'm here to bring you back to the straight path. I'm here to bring you back onto the narrow path. And we begin to swat his hand away. That is a red flag. That is a red flag. You can't be born of God and live a sinfully active, ungodly lifestyle. If you are tempted and you fail and you mess up and the Spirit of God comes and He tries to bring you back to the straight path and you try to justify your behavior, that's a problem. If you are tempted... And you fail. The Spirit of God comes, tries to bring you back to that straight path, and you begin to defend yourself to God. We got a problem. That's a problem. We it, it, our place is not to defend ourselves to God, to justify ourselves to God. We are to let Him do His work in us. You can't be born of God and live in a sinfully active, an ungodly lifestyle. You may sin, you may slip up, but that corrective hand of the Father comes and he brings you right back to the path. Now, I could continue on with this topic, but I don't even believe that's what the Lord would have us to focus on today. Let's go back again to our opening text, 1 John 5, 18. Now, maybe we have a little bit better understanding. Let's read it again. It says, we know That whosoever is born of God, you remember that part just means whoever is brought into the family of God. We know that whosoever is brought into the family of God sinneth not. Remember, that's talking about that habitual lifestyle of sin. They do not live that way. If you're brought into the family of God, you will not live a habitually sinful lifestyle. You may slip up, but he'll come and bring you back to the path. Okay, now we kind of understand that first part. Let's look at the second part now. It says, But he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. Now, now I believe this is where the Lord maybe wants to turn our attention a little bit this morning to the second part of that verse. He that is begotten of God keepeth himself, the scripture says. You and I must keep ourselves. It means we must be on guard all the time. We must be on guard. We must be on the lookout for the enemy. We must be wary of the enemy. Not worry about the enemy, but we wary of him. Where is he at? I smell him. I sense him. The Bible says you've got to keep yourself. You've got to be cautious, always on the lookout, always on the defense for his attack. He's going to spring up out of the bushes and try to get you. He's going to come lurking at night and try to attack you. You must keep yourself. Now, we must keep ourselves from who? It says, the wicked one, that he touches you not. It's the devil. That's who you must keep yourself constantly on guard against the enemy, the wicked one, the devil. He wants to come, and the Bible says in the scripture, he wants to touch you. He wants to harm you. He wants to come up and put his arm around you. That's, That's what he wants to do. He wants to bring you down. He wants to bring you to ruin. He wants to make you a statistic, your family a statistic, your children a statistic, your marriage a statistic. He wants to come and he wants to touch you, the Bible says. And his, his modus operandi is through temptation and deceit. That is what the wicked one does. That is the one we must keep ourselves against. Constantly be cautious in watching for this enemy who's going to come and tempt you. You know that it is a... Pervasive theme throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. The entire Bible that the devil is referred to as a tempter. He comes and he tempts. Old Testament and New Testament. In Matthew chapter 4 verse 3. We're only going to read just the first part of this scripture. But this is when Jesus was fasting and in the wilderness. And he was hungry and he was weakened. And look what Matthew 4 3 says. And when the tempter came to him. You you see that the the writer here, the writer of this gospel, refers to Satan as the tempter. I, I like to think of that even a little further, that the writer of this gospel was inspired by the Holy Ghost to use the word tempter to communicate a truth to us. What truth? The truth that Satan is a tempter. He's trying to communicate that to us. You better keep yourself. You better watch out because Satan is a tempter. He's going to come and tempt you with something. He's too stupid to know that God can't be tempted with evil. But that doesn't stop him from trying to tempt. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 5. And, and you don't have to turn here because I'm only going to read part of this text as well. But it says, for this cause, now this is Apostle Paul. says, for this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you and our labor be in vain. The apostle Paul also, he refers to Satan as the tempter. Do you understand it? he is a tempter? You see, the the devil, he hates God because he thought he could be equal with God. He thought he could exalt himself above the throne of God, but it didn't work out that way. The Bible says that, that God took Lucifer and casted him down to the ground like a lightning bolt. And from then on, the devil goes around trying to turn God's creation against him. Now, he's had some success, hasn't he? But he won't win the war. A while back, we did a little study in Revelation. And Revelation teaches us that at some point in the future, Jesus, I can't wait for this, Jesus is going to come. It's actually kind of anticlimactic. You know, you would think there would be this big, long, drawn-out battle of Jesus versus Satan, and them rolling around in the dirt, and you're know, like you see on a goofy Hollywood movie or something like that, shooting at each other, dodging bullets. It's actually very anticlimactic if you read it in the Bible. Jesus just kind of walks up, takes Satan, and throws him into the lake of fire. That's about it, but I love that. I I, I hope in some way shape or form maybe i can be present there it does say that the armies of god will be with jesus maybe i can be there maybe i can spectate maybe i'll have a glorified body i can help fight in some way but i want to see that i want to see jesus christ slam satan into the lake of fire i want to see it but brothers and sisters that comes later that's in the future As for now, the Bible says he walks about, roams about, seeking whom he may devour. That's what's happening now. He's going around seeking whom he may devour. In our opening text, in 1 John, warns us that you better keep yourself. You have to stay on guard all the time against this tempter. Because he's going to come and visit you. He will find you he will or he'll send one of his minions and they'll find you and he'll tempt you look what genesis chapter 3 verse 1 reveals to us about satan it says now the serpent and listen to the wording now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the lord god had made we'll stop there but he's more subtle than any beast of the field he's elusive he's clever He's very cunning. Satan is a crafty one. This is what the Bible's communicating to us. In our opening text, is saying, keep yourself. This is how he is. He's crafty and cunning. He, he's clever. He's elusive. He, he's like trying to catch smoke. You think you might have him, and he slips out of your grasp. You can't even make... Is that him? I'm not sure. He's hard to detect. And the Bible's saying... Keep yourself, stay on guard all the time. And he wants to get close to you. Our scripture says he wants to touch you. That's how close he wants to get to you. He wants to come up and he wants to touch you. He wants to put his arm around you. He wants to get in your marriage. He wants to get into the minds of your children or families. He wants to put ideas into your belief system. You understand, he wants to dangle some lure in front of you. That this is how he works. You understand that the devil, he's trying to hook you is what he's trying to do. And when he hooks you, he wants to reel you in, stuff you, and mount you on his wall. And then he wants to say, look, God, I got another one of your creations. That is his modus operandi. And he uses temptations to do it. Now, we must understand, a lot of people mistakenly think that the devil is just the opposite of God. Now his ideas and what he stands for are the opposite of God, but he is not all-powerful, all-knowing, omniscient, omnipresent. He is not he is not all those things. He's not. But that indeed teaches us why he tempts us. He tempts us cuz he's trying to find your weakness. He's trying to discover it. If one lure doesn't work, he'll switch it out like any good fisherman and find the next lure that works. If one thing doesn't work, he'll move on to the next. How do you know that, Jason? How are you so smart? Because he did it with Jesus. Jesus in the wilderness, fasting and praying in in a weakened state, was hungry. He came at Jesus with this. It didn't work. He came at a different angle. That didn't work. So he comes at a different angle. He's looking for the weaknesses. He's tempting. He's changing his lures. He's changing his bait. Trying to find the one that works. If pride doesn't work, then he'll try lust. If lust doesn't work, he'll try greed. If greed doesn't work, he'll try vanity. If vanity doesn't work, he'll try some sort of materialism. He's going to find that weakness in you. And 1 John says, you better keep yourself. If you're begotten of God, keep yourself. Be on the constant lookout. He will find the lure that you are prone to going after. He will find the bait that you are most susceptible to. He will. And he'll keep trying and trying and trying because he's driven by arrogance, believing that he's equal with God, believing that he can be above God. And he wants to use you as one of his pawns in his war against God. That's exactly what it's all about. The battle of good and evil. Look at the wording in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. Look at the wording. It says, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, this is when the enemy's tempting Eve with the forbidden fruit. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes. Do you see the tempting words here? In a tree to be desired, to make one wise. She took the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also to her husband with her, and he did eat. This, brothers and sisters, do, do you see those those the the, the verbiage in those scriptures? The, she looked on it, it was good. It, it was desirous, it was pleasant to look upon. All, all these temptations, he's putting the lure out there to Eve. This is a the age-old lie. That the grass is greener on the other side of the fence, Eve. Look at, look at this, Eve. Eve, I know you have all those other fruits, and they're good, and I'm not saying anything about those, Eve. But look at this one. L- look at this one, Eve. Just just look at it. Look how good this one looks. I- it's better than those other ones. Those other ones, you can have them all the time. Eve, have you ever wondered, Eve, why God said you can't have this one you ever wonder why maybe it's because this one's different Eve and you know you know that all of this is being spoken in a buttery smooth voice of reason you know it is the enemy he reassures through the things that he says to us he's affirming he's calming he speaks in a calming voice God doesn't want you to have this fruit because it will make you wise. He keeps pushing it. Matter of fact, Eve, if you eat this fruit, you can be like God. Eve, if you eat this, he's trying to hold you back, Eve. Can't you see? He's trying to block you from becoming what you should become. You can be just like him, Eve. You can be wise and knowing the truth, good and evil. He's trying to hold you back. God is trying to stop you from being what you should be, Eve. Do you see how he works? He's a cunning one. He's crafty. And he's a liar and a father of them. You can be just like him. He's trying to hold you back. He will find your weakness, church. He will find it. He will exploit it. And he will take advantage of it. That's how he is. That's unfair. That's how he fights. Unfair. You better guard yourself. You better keepeth yourself. He that is begotten of God keeps himself. Amen. Now you might laugh at this. On a more lighthearted note of temptation, earlier this week, I kind of felt like the Lord moved upon me to fast. You know, any good pastor should. Okay, Lord, I'll obey you. I think that was Tuesday night. And you know how you always, when you set your mind to fasting, you wake up in the morning, of course you're starving like you ain't eight in six months, you know. and Talk about the devil being a tempter. I woke up, of course you know, a little extra hungry, but I'm like, bless God, uh-uh, I ain't falling for that trick devil. And my son had worked the night shift the night before. And as he got off at 4 or 5 in the morning, whatever it was. He'd come back through Zanesville. He wanted to, you know, just bless his family, good son. He swung past Donald's Donuts. <laughs> Wouldn't you know, ne- never in his life has gotten us donuts before. And so I get up in the morning kind of groggy, a little hungry, and I see the box there. I mean, I'm telling you, and I thought, well, let me just look at them. I'll look at them. You know, the box was closed up. I cracked that box open. I kid you not. One of them had sprinkles, church. Sprinkles on it. Oh, man. Lord have mercy. Is there any defense against sprinkles? Yeah, man. I closed the box and I left and Uh, I was able to resist for a while. I went to work and did some praying and went about my day. But when I came back home, I had to partake of one of them. So I didn't last the whole day, but I I did last for a while. It was a valiant effort. At least you can say it was a valiant effort. I'll try again next week. Son, don't get no donuts on Wednesdays. That's how he is, though. That's how the enemy is. He's going to find a weakness. Back to all serious now. How about this one? 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 1. Talking about this enemy being a tempter. And 1 John's telling us to keep yourself. Whosoever is begotten of God keeps himself. Remember that devil. He's going to find the lure that you're susceptible to. 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 1. Look, it says, But King Solomon loved many strange women, together with the daughter of Pharaoh, Women of the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Edomites, Zidonians, and the Hittites. One of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall not go in unto them, neither shall they come in unto you. For surely they will turn your heart after their gods. Solomon, clave unto these in love. Look at verse 3 says, And he had 700 wives, princesses. And 300 concubines and his wives turned away his heart. For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods. Brothers and sisters, could you agree with me this morning that the enemy came to Solomon and threw some lures and switched baits, but he finally found the one that got Solomon. Could we agree with that this morning? He got Solomon with lust. He got him. He found it. This is the arguably one of the most wisest men that may have ever walked this planet. And understand, Solomon wasn't some jerk or some idiot or some heathen. Solomon did great things for the Lord. You understand that Solomon built what may have been the most beautiful temple to have ever been erected on this planet. Actually, I I was reading, I I should have looked this up, been more prepared. I was reading, it may be in Ezra or in Nehemiah, they're rebuilding the temple. And at some point, they finish it. And if you look, Scripture teaches that they're actually a little bit disappointed when the temple gets rebuilt after Solomon's is destroyed. They're a little disappointed because it doesn't look as, as grand and as splendid as it did when Solomon built it. It was so beautiful and so wonderful the house of God was. And Solomon was instrumental in that. But the tempter came to him and found his weakness. Hundreds of hundreds of wives and side babes and girlfriends and mistresses. The devil got him. The devil found his weakness. The devil came and he touched Solomon. Put his arm around him. Solomon forgot or we could say solomon failed to keepeth himself he wasn't on guard at some point in solomon's life he let his guard down just for a little bit and one of them babes caught his eye and he ends up his heart completely turned even the 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 warning of god came and says solomon I don't want you to marry all those pagan babes because they're going to turn your heart away. What'd he do? He's pushed God's hand away, his corrective hand. He said, no, thanks, Lord, but I've got this under control. Well, it spun out of control, and he grew cold, and his heart was turned away from God. And let it be known, in case you're thinking this, men aren't the only one that battle with lust. It, it's a two-way street. I find that when there's a man that wants to be adulterous and, and practice adulterous behavior, there's always a woman willing to tango. It takes two to tango, amen? With, even with the temptation of Christ, the Jesus er, uh, the, the devil tried several things on Jesus, one of which I note is power. He came to Jesus and he tried to get Jesus with power. Luke chapter 4, verse 5 says, In the devil, remember Jesus' is weakened state. He's been fasting and he's weakened. It says, In the devil. And also, sorry to keep interrupting, but remember that Jesus is, he, the devil sees Jesus, knows he wants to build this great kingdom of God, so he's going to try to feed Jesus what he thinks he wants. And the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them. For that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will, I will, I will give it. If thou therefore wilt worship me, Jesus, all shall be thine. This is the devil trying to make a deal with Christ. The devil coming to Jesus and sticking his hand out. Jesus, you want to build this kingdom. You you want to change the world. You want to be influential. You want to be powerful. I can make it happen. Just sign on the dotted line. Shake my hand, Jesus. Brothers and sisters, How many powerful CEOs have shaken his hand? How many Hollywood elites have shook hands with the devil in agreement? How many political powerhouses have accepted these terms? Have signed their soul away shaking hands with the devil? If power doesn't work, maybe it'll be money. If money doesn't work, maybe it's some t- type of sexual activity. If that doesn't work, maybe he'll try glorification of self, or maybe he'll try complacency, maybe he'll try apathy. He comes from all these different angles. And first John says, if you're begotten of God, you gotta keep yourself. Constantly be cautious and wary of all these things. Because he's gonna dangle all these lures in front of you. He's a tempter, he's a liar. And he d- is a deceiver, and he wants to touch you. First John says you better keep yourself from all that junk. you got to keep yourself from it. Constantly be on guard against the wicked one's devices. And he got a whole lot of devices. He's been practicing it for millennia. And he's a crafty one. Remember, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field that the lord god had created he's tricky he's crafty he's elusive these are his qualities these are his characteristics this is who he is personified in the serpent now how do we how do we keep with ourselves how do we do that well if you know your bible it not only warns us of the devices of the enemy of his craftiness, of his tricks and deceitfulness, but it also tells us how to go about it. it. Does the Bible doesn't just tell us about a problem? It tells us the problem and then offers the solution. Anybody can say, well, you know, here at New Hope, this is the problem. Well, you guys don't do this, this is the problem. All right, offer a solution then. That's what the Bible does. It says the problem and then offers the solution. And I truly believe that the particular solution for keeping yourself from the wicked one is found in putting on the whole armor of God. Can anyone say amen to that? Put on the whole armor of God. You know, it's found in Ephesians 6.11. I want to read it to you. But don't for a minute think that the whole armor of God is a clever allegory. It is not a clever allegory. You will become a victim of the devil if you don't take this serious this morning. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 11 says this. Says put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Do you see brothers and sisters, God's spiritual armor, it helps us to withstand the strategies of the devil. It helps us to be able to stand against his various attacks. It helps us to be able to withstand the various angles that he comes in against us. As we read this whole armor of God, keep in mind the things we just read about Satan more subtle than any beast of the field, crafty, elusive, finding the weakness. Look at that next verse in Ephesians 6 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Verse 13 says, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Notice how many times in these verses we're reading, it talks about standing and withstanding. When he comes against you, you've got to be able to withstand it. And you can't, lest you got on the armor of God. You won't be able to withstand. You will succumb. A fiery dart will hit you. And it will cause you great injury. Great injury. Verse 14 says, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having the breastplate of righteousness. I like that verse 14. Look back, that says, having your loins girt about with truth. What Truth. What do you mean by truth? I like this. I can't across this definition of truth. The totality of Scripture centered in Christ. How's that for a definition of truth? That is what should be protecting your loins. The totality of biblical doctrine centered in Christ. That's what the Bible means when it says truth. All of Scripture, all of its doctrines centered in Jesus, that's what protects your loins. They ought to be girt with truth. Verse 15 says, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Can anyone say amen to that this morning? Let me ask you. Just to clear up any confusion there may be, just in case anyone's doubting, any case anyone's wondering, or someone may be confused, how many of the fiery darts of the wicked one can be quenched by the shield of faith? All of them. Say that together. All of them. Every single one of them. It doesn't say 99%, 98%, or you have a, a great chance of it. It says it can quench all of them. If you hold up the shield of faith, it What's all of those fiery darts? It will extinguish them. It will put them out. It will bring the enemy's attack to an end. The shield of faith bats them down. Satan comes. He throws a fiery dart, and he's trying to touch you with it. But the shield of faith deflects it away and swats it out of the sky. The shield of faith terminates the attack from the wicked one, brings his attack to an end. Now, how does that take place exactly? James chapter 4, verse 7, says this. says, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Okay, I agree with that. But how do we resist the devil? Well, we don't have an example with Jesus Christ. He was tempted by the enemy. So the Bible says resist the devil. How? You already have an example. Jesus. Resist him just like Jesus did. Start swinging your sword at the devil. you got to swing your sword. The Bible says "And take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Brothers and sisters, this is the sword of the spirit. And the Bible says you resist the devil. You can make him flee from you by swinging this thing at him. Swing it at him swing it just like jesus did it is a weapon the sword of the spirit is a weapon that can cause immense damage to the enemy immense damage and you got to swing it when the devil tempted jesus jesus swung the sword at him when he said hey jesus turn this bread into stone knowing that he was hungry how did jesus respond he swung a sword at him when he said hey jesus Fall down and worship me. What did Jesus do? He swung at him again. Brothers and sisters, we got to realize this. He swung at him by utilizing the word of God. Do you see, are you beginning to see how spiritual warfare works? It's a spiritual battle. Our battle's not against flesh and blood. It's a spiritual battle. And the word of God, the Bible says in Hebrews, it's quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than any other sword that there's ever been created. And the devil knows that. So he jumps back, he tries a different angle with Jesus. He says, hey Jesus, cast yourself down. And he even tries to quote a little scripture. How does Jesus respond? Another swipe with his sword. And the devil has no choice but to jump back every time that Jesus swings at him. And Jesus keeps on swinging, he keeps jumping back until the devil leaves in frustration. Because he wasn't able to penetrate Jesus' defenses. Because he swung the sword of the Spirit. Jesus had all the armor of God on. The devil does not want to get stung by the powerful uh, truth of God's word. So he has no choice but to jump back. And Jesus keeps on swinging until he leaves. The devil leaves in frustration at the saint that swings the sword at him. He got no other choice, no other option. Now he will come back some other day with a different lure. You do the same thing. You swing the sword at him again. When Christian brothers and sisters swing the sword, guess what? It does the same thing it did when Jesus swung it. Now Jesus might have swung it a little more efficiently than you. He might have been more skilled at it than you. But it still accomplishes the same thing. It resists him. It thwarts him. The sword of the Spirit is injurious to Satan. It will injure him. It will cause him great harm because he knows it's the truth. Here's the problem. Problem is, we got believers coming up into church and only got one boot on. They got no helmet on. I where's your shield? I don't know. I, I had it somewhere. You it here a minute ago. Y'all got a scabbard on, but there ain't no sword in it. Satan comes, you go to grab it, there ain't nothing there. That's the problem. Don't know what's in the Word of God. If you're having a hard time with a particular sin, and something keeps coming and defeating you, and Satan keeps coming and and, and whipping you, and, and smashing you down and defeating you every time you keep losing and losing and losing, When you get to a point when you're tired of it, I'll tell you what. I'm going to encourage you this morning. Memorize a scripture. Ask God to speak a scripture to you. Dig around a little bit in the Bible. You'll find something. God will speak something to you. Memorize it. And then when the devil comes back, quote it to the devil. Quote it to him. You might say the words in the wrong order. You might mess up. You might look a little goofy or sound a little goofy might not be as efficient as Jesus was, but in time your sword strikes will become even more and more efficient as you learn to battle spiritually. Too many Christian brothers and sisters don't know how to battle spiritually. They don't know how to battle for their children, don't know how to battle for their wives, don't know how to battle for their unsaved neighbors. It's a spiritual battle. And you got to have your equipment on. you got to have it on. Quit walking around, getting owned on by the tempter. He comes and does whatever he wants to you because you don't have the right equipment. Ask God to give you one of his weapons so that you can fight. You say, why are you so passionate? Why are you yelling so loud? I have been there. Dark times come to all of us, amen? Dark times when there's no friend to build you up when there's no pastor you can call, and at some point in your life you got to start swinging or you will be defeated. Boy, I've been there. I have been in some dark moments, dark moments. But you know what? I learned to start swinging. Swing at the devil. Swing at him. Take a swing. If you don't swing, you're never going to beat him. Swing that thing. Swing it. Swing it. You don't need to be a theologian. You don't need to know Greek and Hebrew. Memorize just a couple little things out of it. Paraphrase it if you must. But swing it. Just like Jesus did. Remember last, li- last week we learned Jesus to be a Christian is to be Christ-like. To, to behave like him. Well, how did he behave when he was tempted? He swung his sword. If I can ask the band to make their way back, please. We'll bring this to a close. We're going to go back to our opening text. Going back to our opening text. So we can kind of put all this together. Remember, we like to put the Bible under a microscope and see what it's communicating to us first john chapter 5 verse 18 says we know that whosoever is born of god remember brought into the family of god sinneth not meaning does not live a habitually sinful lifestyle but he that is begotten of god keepeth himself look at that last part and that wicked one touches him not brothers and sisters if a believer puts on that armor if a believer lives cautiously, remember last week I had a scripture that taught us to walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. If we start taking that seriously and we live cautiously and we stay on guard, always constantly sniffing the enemy out, I smell him, I sense him, he's around the corner, he's hiding somewhere around here. If we live that way, constantly keeping ourselves and staying on guard, look what it says. And that wicked one, touches him not If you have on the armor of God, he can't touch you He is powerless Against the truth that emanates from God's Word. He's powerless. I I can't wait For for someone in here to take this serious who's constantly getting beat up by the devil and you take this serious and you say you know what I'm going to memorize this the next time the devil comes cuz see that I told you the devil's not all knowing he's not so the next time he comes you have a great opportunity to catch him off guard cuz he's usually used to coming to you and having his way with you dangling his lure you take it and he gets you to sin But but this next time, maybe, just maybe, some brothers and sisters take this serious. He'll come and he'll think he's going to have his way. And you reach up and you slash him and you cause him some damage. And you poke him in between the ribs with the sword of the Spirit. I'm ready to hear some stories out of you in the next few months or something. Where someone learns how to spiritually fight. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. Father God, we thank you for this word. Lord. The more I study your word, the more I see it is the truth that explains all of reality. God, your word is truth. The devil is afraid of it, Father God. The only thing he can do is try and twist the word a little bit. He knows it's truth. He's afraid of it. Lord, I pray your people this morning realize the power that's in the whole armor of god it causes us to stand to withstand the attacks the various angles i pray this morning that we recognize the power in the armor of god lord i also pray that we recognize that the devil is a crafty one lord that he's more subtle than any beast of the field help us lord god not to underestimate him father lord i pray you clothe your people today in the whole armor of god get us let us dust off that shield of faith that maybe we laid down or we misplaced let us find it again lord lord i pray brothers and sisters in this room this morning any who may be listening online dust off that bible get in there and find something find one of them little swords they can pull up out of them scriptures lord and they learn to fight the good fight of faith lord we must learn how to resist the devil because our Bible teaches us in James, if we resist the devil, he will flee from the powerful word of God. Lord, confirm these things in us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, these altars are always open as we go into worship.
1: Hallelujah. Oh, my words fall short. I've got nothing. So come on, my soul, now don't you get shy on me, lift up your soul, cause you've got a life
0: There's nothing more refreshing than